At McDonald's, we make Texas mornings brighter. Say you went for a jog around the lake. Well, nothing will help you refuel like an Egg McMuffin. Or if you need to beat traffic on the high five, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit is the right way to rise. And if you've got to get some major shopping done across the Metroplex, a sausage burrito will help you wrap things up. We'll make your morning brighter with a delicious sausage McMuffin for $1 and a $1 any size soft drink or coffee. A la carte only, prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Best Advice I Ever Heard, a collection of 101 stories of epiphanies and wise words. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. I just voted and I'm looking at a beautiful new book that's coming out today. So all is well with my world. Fantastic. That sounds wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard is truly a wonderful, empowering read. I especially love the idea that it only takes a few well-chosen words to solve a big problem, reorient one's focus to change the trajectory of one's life. So that's fantastic. It's really true, though. I mean, if you think about it, you can probably think back to mm-hmm. certain times when somebody said the simplest thing to you, maybe one sentence or even just a few words, and maybe it wasn't even somebody you knew. Maybe it was a stranger, and it yeah. was just so eye-opening that it changed your life. I love it. Those are the ones that are actually more powerful than sitting down with someone for a two-hour session. <laughs> I know, because sometimes somebody just says something that cuts through all the clutter and just reaches right. you. And, and, yeah. and it can be something incredibly obvious, and it just makes all the difference. And we get, we've been you know, getting stories like that for all 25 mm-hmm. years of our history. And <laughs> And that's what caused me to think we should just put together these stories about these, yeah, yeah. these epiphanies that came from just a few wise words. We should put all of them together in one book because I just, I know how much the stories affect me mm-hmm. and our whole staff, like we're always talking about stories <laughs> we've read and saying, wow, did you read that one? That one has caused <laughs> me to change such and such. And we're always talking about how the stories have changed our own lives. Right, right. Well, that's fantastic. By the way, the book cover is definitely an eye-catcher, so I love it. Congratulations on its release. And it happens to be today. Today is the official release date for this beautiful book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's election day, and we can all elect to uh, listen to some good advice, right? So what I love about this, the book cover, I love the colors. I love Uh this beautiful gold. I think it's such a great book for holiday giving because it has these mm-hmm, warm mm-hmm. rich colors but i also think it will be great for new years mm-hmm. because i originally thought about putting out chicken soup for the soul the best advice i ever heard as what is called a new year new you book you know i thought yeah, about yeah. putting it out for january because it's about advice 
but then it just it looks so good and the topic is so popular <laughs> that we were asked by our sales force to put it out in time for Christmas instead. So right. that right. is what we have done. And I love the little boy on the cover. And normally I don't put children on a cover of a book that's for adults because then it fools yeah. people into thinking, oh, wait, it's a kid's book. But this little boy is wearing <laughs> a blue blazer and talking into a cell phone. And I just thought he was so it, – it's a great cover. I know. I love that picture. I mean, once I saw that picture, I basically – if I didn't have this book in mind, I would have had to make a book anyway to go with that picture. <laughs> it's no relation, right, to the family or anything no. like that? No, <laughs> although my son looked exactly like that when he was a little kid. He had that exact same hair, but no, oh, no okay. relation. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, before we really get into the book, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. So what is Chicken Soup doing for Thanksgiving? Well, we've been giving away dog food and cat food to um, pets in need all across the country. And, you know, Thanksgiving is all about Mm -hmm. being grateful for what you have and sharing it. So we've been doing that. We are giving away a million meals to feed dogs and cats in shelters. Uh, We work with American Humane, and we not only feed dogs and cats in shelters, but we also give food for when American Humane is doing disaster relief, you know, when there's Mm -hmm. a hurricane Mm -hmm. or a flood or any kind of disaster, wildfire, they'll go in and they'll rescue all the pets. And these might Mm -hmm. be pets that were abandoned by accident by fleeing homeowners or pets that ran away. Or it could be pets that are in shelters where the whole shelter, you know, the whole population of the shelter needs to be moved. So uh, we, we help with that. So that's one of the things that we do for Thanksgiving and then in general, we're just so busy here with Christmas because we've got Hanukkah right after Thanksgiving. Then we have Christmas. Right. And we keep running out of books. Like, we are already <laughs> sold out in our warehouse of our Christmas book, which is um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Wonder of Christmas. And mm-hmm. we're now mm-hmm. trying to find a way to do an emergency printing of it. We're already backordered. I mean, it's in the stores, but the stores can't get more right, right, because right, we're already right. backordered. And we're backordered on so many books right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's something that you're hoping to buy, you better get it because I don't know if we can get <laughs> enough reprints done. I mean, this is a good problem, but still a problem I wish we didn't have. It's right, really, right. We're, we're, I've never seen us backordered on so many titles, even some of our older titles. Like they say, that's something to be thankful about. It is, but I feel bad. <laughs> I mean, because of course, you know, like anybody, our big season is Christmas, and I don't want right. to lose out on sales, yeah. and I certainly don't want to disappoint people who, you know, go to the store expecting mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. get something, and now, you know, it's sold out. Um, right. So, right. Mm-hmm. but it's nice and early now. It's only uh, early November, <laughs> so let's hope that all of your listeners get what they want. I believe they will. They are excited about hearing this book right now. And there are some fantastic stories in the book. So let's get back to the book. How many stories did you all actually receive for this book itself? Oh, my gosh. It was many thousands of stories. I actually started collecting stories for this book years ago because I Mm -hmm. dreamt up this idea years ago. And then, I don't know, for some reason, we just didn't do anything for a while And then we finally decided 
it was time to pull the trigger and to actually <laughs> get this book ready to go. And mm-hmm. I am so glad we did it. I don't know why it took me so long. Uh, but anyway, we did have thousands of stories, and there were way too many great ones because we only have 101 slots. So we took a bunch right. of those great stories, and we shifted them to other books that we have coming out in the future. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm really excited about this because I was so changed myself by some of these stories. I I learned a lot from this book, and so mm-hmm. did our editors. We talked about it all the time. Well, that's fantastic. That sounds really, really good. What was the best advice you ever received in your life? You know, it was so simple, <laughs> but that's sometimes the best advice is so simple. So it right. was advice that I heard when I was in college, maybe I was 20 years old or 21 years old, and and I was complaining. I was over visiting my boyfriend at another college, and I was complaining to one of his friends who happened to be pre-med, um, and I was just complaining about all the work I had to do, which was all completely my fault because <laughs> I was always procrastinating. And so, you know, I had maybe one week left in the semester, and I had to study for you know, two or three exams, and I had to write two or three papers, and, you know, I w- it was just terrible. I was so behind on everything, and I was complaining and complaining, but I wasn't doing it. I was just complaining. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even back in my own dorm room where I could actually get the work done, and this guy looked at me, and he said, I, I guess he was totally disgusted with me, and he looked at me, and he said, just do it. Now, this was way before the Nike Just Do It campaign. Um, uh-huh. This was back uh-huh. in you know the late 1970s. Yeah. And I looked at him and I thought, he is so right. I have to just sit <laughs> down and do it. And I went back and I just sat down and did one thing at a time and got it done. And that has basically been my you know mantra now for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. do it. Like, don't sit around and complain about what you have to do. Just sit down and get it done. And um, and my refinement on that is if I have to do several different projects and I mm-hmm. really don't want to do any of them, but I know I'm going to have to get them all done by their deadlines. So I know I'm going to get them all done anyway. I might as well start with the one that seems awful to me. Yeah, so yeah. I'm allowed to do the least awful project first and then the next least <laughs> awful and, until I've done the most awful one, you know. And by the time mm-hmm. it's the only project left, it doesn't really seem as awful as it did when I had five projects ahead of it. So that's how I have powered through a humongous workload for 40 years. And people say I'm like a machine, mm-hmm. all based on those simple words that when he looked at me and said, just do it. And I did write that story and include it in Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard. Well, that's fantastic. So that brings me to what are the chapters covered in the book? So the first chapter is about people who got advice that helps them to um, enjoy life to the utmost. And And so chapter one is called Living Fully. And then chapter two is how to be successful. And it's it's tips for how you can, um, you know, run your life to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And then chapter three is those like aha stories, and it's called "Why didn't I think of that?" So it's those really <laughs> obvious stories, you know, those really obvious pieces of advice. And then chapter four is called 
maxims for marriage because we got really good advice, which are not really just for marriage, but are for relationships in general. Right. But I wanted maxims for marriage because I like the alliteration. And then chapter five is called Making Good Habits because you can learn, you can create good habits just by deciding, okay, I'm always going to do this. And if you just make sure you do it, after about 30 days, it really will become a natural habit for you and you won't even mm-hmm. have to think about it anymore. And then um, chapter six is um, called Think Positive, and it's about you know those tweaks in perspective. And chapter seven is really about pursuing your passion and it's called follow your heart because sometimes that's the advice people need to change the trajectory of their lives. Mm-hmm. Chapter mm-hmm. eight is about what you and I were talking about right before we went on air because we were talking about back problems and taking care of ourselves. <laughs> but chapter eight is called take care of yourself because that is super important, right? We all have to take care of mm-hmm. ourselves before we can really be effective at anything else. And then chapter nine is called How to Be Happy with some really wonderful stories where it helps you to change your perspective or tweak your behavior and truly become happier very, very quickly. And then chapter 10 is called From Failing to Fabulous because a lot of the growth we have in our lives is a result of failure. And then chapter Mm -hmm. 11 is some great stories we have about raising children, and it's called Positive Parenting. So we really covered a lot of amazingly good topics here, and there's something in here for everyone. And it's the kind of book that you could, you know, have one member of a family read and then pass it around, and I'm sure (laughs) that each member of the family would have five different favorite stories that, you know, had the most impact on them. Right. It's wonderful. One of the things I got from it is the usual sense of the fact you mentioned each story touches each individual differently. And so you can have a really nice, wonderful conversation during the holiday season. You could. You could actually each pick a story that you thought was the most effective and then sit around as a family and discuss it. And it would be very interesting. That's wonderful. How is this book going to help readers? So I think that readers will come away with probably five to ten tips that they want to implement immediately, and they'll be really excited about it. I could see them making a little list like, you know, five (laughs) tips or ten tips, things they want to change. And because, you know, what happens is when you're reading a story that illustrates a tip, it's so much more effective than having somebody just give you the tip because you learn better and you internalize it better when you've gotten the tip in the context of reading someone else's personal story and reading about their own transformation. And the other thing I think is that people are going to come away from reading these stories with tips for the people they love. And I find that happens all the time where I feel like I'm much better at giving advice to people because of all the tips that I've read. And so, mm-hmm. you know, half, half the tips I read are for me but the other right. half are ones that give me an idea for how I can help somebody else I know. And you don't even realize you're doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll be talking to somebody and be like, well, you know, you could do such <laughs> and such. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, I got that from a chicken soup for the soul story. 
That's so true. it's very effective at making you a better person to help other people as well as helping yourself. That's fantastic. I like that idea because this book is not only about passing it on to somebody else, but it's actually educating you so that you can kind of be the walking chicken soup encyclopedia. How's that? <laughs> well, I have to tell you that that is something I love about this job. I mean, I really uh-huh. feel like I could be a psychologist now and have patients because I've got <laughs> advice on everything now because I've worked on, you know, tens of thousands of these stories. But I really feel right. like you. what happens in these Chicken Soup for the Soul books is you meet 101 people you wouldn't otherwise have met. And every Mm -hmm. one of them is sharing a really personal, revealing story, you know, that is Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. transformation or epiphany or some other kind of major change. And so you are really having people tell you their best stories, right? These are their best stories, pieces of advice. You would never meet those 101 people in your real life. And yet here you get to hold in your hand the best advice from 101 different people spread all over the U.S. and Canada and even a couple from other countries. I mean, I feel, I personally feel like I understand the country better now because I'm reading stories from people from all 50 states. And (laughs) I would never have that much exposure to the rest of the world if it weren't for reading these Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. I would have a much more narrow focus and be, you know, more aware of what was just mm-hmm. going on in my general area. Right. That's true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Best Advice I Ever Heard, a collection of 101 stories of epiphanies and wise words. Amy, let's get into the various stories. Let us start by the first chapter. As a matter of fact, Live Fully. I really love this first story, How Sweet It Is, by Diane Peroni. Yeah, so Diane Peroni had seen a plaque in a store, and the plaque said, Life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. And she didn't really think much of it. She just laughed. But then she went through a tough time financially because, you know, like several years ago, a lot Mm -hmm. of us did. And so some friends started taking her out for meals. And she found then that when her friends were treating her to meals, she was ordering dessert first Mm -hmm. because she wanted to celebrate and live in the moment. And then even when things started going better for her and her life got back on track, she still found that she had really created a tradition with her friends and family. And now she is known as the person who always orders dessert first. And so it's a, it's become a really fun tradition for her. And Mm -hmm. she said, it's not really about eating sweets. She said, eating dessert first is about connecting with those we love, listening with our hearts and sharing the things we've learned And then she went on to say, eating dessert first is about spontaneity and not taking ourselves too seriously. It's about embracing Mm -hmm. change and living in the moment. And I thought that was just such a great message. And it doesn't have to be dessert. It could be something else. But this is a little tiny change she made in her life, but it's 
one that has really changed her because now she's enjoying life so much more and she's spreading that joy to other people. So whenever they go out, they all order dessert first, even if it's just (laughs) one dessert that they share with each other. It's just fun. Right, right. I like that story simply because it reminded me when I was a kid, I do eat my dessert first. And my mom used to get on my case for that. But as they say, dessert is always the best dish, right? So I want the best dish first. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the next story is really interesting as well. And I love this. In light of the uh, $1.6 billion mega million, is that what it is? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So uh, this one is very interesting. What would you do if you won the lottery? And it's still in Chapter 1, Live Fully. Yeah, so J.C. Sullivan, she hated her job. She had a very good job as a banker, but it just wasn't fulfilling for her. And she was always complaining about it. And one day she was complaining to her brother about how much she hated her job. And her brother said, what would you do if you won the lottery? And she said, oh, my God, I'd move to Italy because that had always been her dream. And he said, well, then do that. I don't want to hear your complaining anymore. She said, well, I can't do that. He said, yes, you can. She said, well, I I don't have enough money to do that, and I have debts. And he said, well, then take money out of the equation. Save your money, pay off your debts, (laughs) and then that will be part of your decision-making. And so she said, well, okay, then I guess I can do that. So then she cut out, you know, all of her expenses, Mm -hmm. stopped using credit cards, spent six months saving, paying down credit card debt, et cetera, And then she was finally ready to go, and she moved to Italy. And J.C. ever since has been just following her dreams, living all over the world, trying new things constantly. She has such a fun life. I actually used – well, I used both of these stories, the eating dessert first story and this Mm -hmm. what what would you do if you won the lottery. I used both of these in our book trailer that is on our website and also mm-hmm. on your website now, the book trailer right. for this book. So, so on the book trailer, you'll see pictures of J.C. surfing in South America and um, wielding a sword because she decided to learn, I don't know, <laughs> some sport that involved wielding a sword. And there was some other picture of her doing some other amazing thing. But she's always out there doing fun things. And now she's also an actress, uh, which is a far cry from being a banker. But I've always thought that was such a cool concept. You know what I realized after I read her story? Uh I had completely forgotten that when I was 20 years old and living in Brazil and doing research for Mm -hmm. my thesis, the way I would get people to tell me their innermost dreams was I would say to them, what would you do if you won the lottery? Because Mm -hmm. it really is a great way to gain clarity on what you want in your life. Right, right. I agree with that. It puts you in a situation where there are no restrictions and you can really bear it all in terms of your true purpose, I guess, in a way that you want to do things. It's a hobby, but yet that hobby is a career in a way, and it's sort of meshed together, and it gives you that sort of uh, unique satisfaction. Yeah, and the great thing also, and I I think I really Mm -hmm. learned this from this new Chicken Soup for the Soul book, is it helps you to clear away the stuff that you think is in the way. So in J.C.'s case, what she thought was in the way 
was money. And her brother said, no, you can take money out of the equation. <laughs> Just stop spending money, save your money, pay off your debts. Right. You know, and we have other stories in this book where people took fear out of the equation. Said, mm-hmm. well, what would I do mm-hmm. if I wasn't afraid? And once they realized what they would do if they weren't afraid, they said, all right, how do I take fear out of the equation? And then they could <laughs> move forward. And I, I think that's a, that's a really cool idea is whatever it is that's holding you back, say, right. okay, what would I do if, I, if that wasn't in existence? And then figure out how to take that one obstacle out of your way. So true. That brings me to chapter two, how to be successful. And the story I've chosen is Hit by Lightning by Billy Holiday. Yeah, so um, Billy's son was a really good student. Um, and he was such a good student that he started getting flack for it from the other boys. Um, and so he had gotten a scholarship to go to the college he wanted to go to, and the whole family was so happy. And yet here he was, sad. And it turned out that the scholarship had generated a lot of jealousy among his friends, so he started saying, well, maybe I won't even go. Maybe I shouldn't go. I mean, his friends were basically trying to hold him down. And he was miserable for a few weeks. His whole world was crumbling. He Mm -hmm. wanted to give up the scholarship. And so Billy took him to visit with the superintendent of their school district. And the superintendent gave him the best advice. He said, imagine if you were a tall tree, a tree that grew taller than all the other trees, and now you're rising above all the other trees in the forest, and you realize you can see so much more than the other trees, but you're also more likely to get hit by lightning. And so the boy realized, well, I'm just a tall tree, And sometimes you get hit by lightning, but that's just a chance you take. If you want to be the tallest tree in the forest and you want to see beyond where all the other trees can see. And it reset him on that path to accomplishment. And he went to that college using that scholarship. And now he's a doctor. So I thought that was a wonderful story and a great lesson. And what a great way to teach us how to give advice to somebody who is being, you know, shunned for being successful. Mm-hmm. This, this tall tree metaphor, I think, is so effective. I agree. That goes with the territory, so to speak, in the sense that sometimes people are just outright jealous of your success. Yeah, and they want to drag you down. Right, right, right. And so now how do you react to that? Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I remember in 10th grade being teased all the time by two boys in the class because it was American history class and I just loved American history and soaked it Uh up like a sponge and I I don't know without even studying just always knew the answer to every single question because I loved it so much that you know (laughs) the moment the teacher said it I ingested it and remembered it and these two boys would tease me all the time and I stopped raising my hand to answer questions you know and because Mm -hmm. kids will do that to you Yeah, that's true. This example, to me, helps the people that are maybe just a tad insecure of their success. And this story really helps to understand that, no, you are special and you earn everything and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, I I mean, yeah, that's just a superb story and can be 
helpful to people in so many different ways. That and that's that's what this book is like. We've got 101 <laughs> of these. I love the next story in How to Be Successful as well. I love this one. Two Kinds of People by Cindy Crawl. Yeah, so um yeah, so her story is about the fact that you can make a choice. You can mm-hmm. you can make the choice for the kind of person you're going to be. And so um her dad had said something to her that really stuck with her. He said there are two kinds of people in the world. The kind who when they see garbage will stop and pick it up and the kind who won't. And then he said we all get to decide what kind of person we're going to be, a person who leaves the world better or a person who doesn't. And then her father had looked at her when she was a kid and said, what kind of person will you be? And ever since then, she always thought, all right, I get to choose which kind of person will I be, the kind of person who stops and picks up the garbage, who leaves the world better, or the kind of person who doesn't. And it's basically telling her that, Every single time she has a choice to make, she gets to decide which kind of person she'll be. And she always decides to be that good kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, I, I think that's a great piece of advice. And that's the kind of thing that can run through your head. You know, you're walking down the street right. and you see that piece of garbage. And, you know, you decide to pick it up or not and I'm, sh- I'm sure those words from her father run through her head every every time and she's made thousands of you know the right decision because of reviewing what her father said to her it's a wonderful story when i read that it reminded me i don't know what triggered me over the years but especially now as i got older you go to the grocery store or you go somewhere else especially the grocery store though and then you find something down the aisle that's on the floor. What do you do? Do you roll over it or just pass it, ignore it, or do you pick it up? And for me, I just have to pick it up and put it aside. I don't know. Me that's too. just me. <laughs> I pick it up. I also the other thing I do is if there's something that's been pushed way back on the shelf and I yeah, yeah. am trying to like climb up the shelf to try to reach it, then I'll I'll yeah. grab one, but then I'll grab the other ones that are pushed back and I'll pull them to the front so that the next person right, can yeah. actually get them. I mean, yeah. why not? You have to feel good about yourself, right? So yeah, you might as you well know. do those little things. You're not just doing mm-hmm. it for other people. You're doing it to remind yourself that, oh, yeah, I am that kind of person. It's not about doing it for somebody else. It's doing it for you because this is who you are. Yeah. It's a way of constantly saying, oh, yes, I am this kind of person. I This is what <laughs> I do. I mean, I know, you know, they say character is what you do when nobody's looking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we all do really nice things that nobody will ever know about. Nobody's looking. But we know, and the most important person's opinion of ourselves is our own opinion, right? Your biggest critic is always in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you're looking at your biggest critic. So you might as well... Do all of those good things so that when you look in the mirror, you're okay with the person who's looking back at you. I agree. I totally agree. Chapter three, why didn't I think of that? And the story is just another great one, The Secret to Being a Good Hostess by Rebecca Waters. This is a great example of one of those really (laughs) simple pieces of advice that really resonated with me. And it's 
beautiful for this time of year with mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's coming. So um, in this case, here's the secret. The secret is to treat your family like company and your company like family. So if you think mm-hmm. about it, if you are seeing family and all of a sudden you know, you thought you were just going to sit around the kitchen and all of a sudden you're at the dining room table and the good stuff is being brought out. It's fun and it's different and you feel special mm-hmm. because you're being treated like company. But right. then, you know, if you go to somebody's house and maybe you don't even know them super, super well, like you're not, <laughs> like you can't just like walk in their front door. You have to ring their doorbell, you know, it's that level. Right. And you walk in and they're like, oh, come and sit in the kitchen. And all of a sudden they're treating you like family. Well, that's really fun and special and different also. And Mm -hmm. so I loved how Rebecca Waters' tip just flips everything. Treat your family like company and then treat your company like family. So I thought that was a great way to uh, think about how to do entertaining with this holiday season coming. But not only that, though, what I like about it is that when you think about it, when we treat our family family from that context, this is funny because sometimes on the flip side, the worst side is that we take things for granted. They're not special, if that makes sense. Yeah, when my family comes for Christmas Eve and I use the fine crystal and the fine china and the silver, <laughs> they're being treated like company. That makes them feel special. Right, right, right. Yeah. When I read that, I said, there's always a flip side to the equation here. And so that's important because what I'm looking at is the best of both worlds. If you treat your family like company, then you give them your best. And then you treat guests like family, then you give them your best as well. It's from the heart. Yeah. I really love it. You just flip the whole thing over. It's a great (laughs) strategy for entertaining. (laughs) Chapter four, Maxim for Marriage. 20 years from now. I love this one by Betsy Barnett Smith. Yeah, this is a great this is a great one because in this case, this is probably one of the best pieces of advice you could ever give to a new married couple. You know how you have mm-hmm. to go fill out those forms or whatever, you know, you're constantly being asked like give the couple your best advice and maybe I do that more than you because I get to go to those bridal showers. Um so the great advice that she and her husband got was in the middle of an argument, think about whatever it is you're angry about and then stop and ask yourself, 20 years from now, is this going to matter? And when you realize, no, this is not going to matter in 20 years, I'm not even going to remember this, (laughs) it completely changes it and the argument becomes way less important and you concentrate on what is important. And I thought, what a great perspective to take and not only in a marriage but in any part of your life and I'm always saying that to myself when I get upset about something I'll say to myself Mm -hmm. am I going to even remember this in a month or am I going (laughs) to even remember this in six months or a year and I think I'm not even going to remember this so I really shouldn't be treating it as so important right now that's true that's true well this takes away from the idea that I have to win all the time or if I Say, for example, in the win-lose context, right? If I give in, I just lost. That's not what it is. The context exactly. is, is it really important? <laughs> yeah, and why are you even wasting emotional energy on it if it's not really important and you're not going to remember right. it a month from now or six months from now or 20 years from now? 
Right, right. So true. Chapter 5, Making Good Habits, Three Choices. And this is another really, really cool one by Kimberly Ross. Yeah. So um, in this case, Kimberly, you know, was like always having to deal with people asking her to do things. And so she was basically defaulting to yes because she didn't want to default <laughs> to no. But she didn't really have time to think about it. She just felt like, okay, somebody's asked me something and I have to give an answer right away. And then somebody said to her, no, you have three choices. You don't have to just pick yes or no, you know, on the spot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can also say, let me get back to you. Well, that was an eye-opener for me because that is a wonderful option to have because I know sometimes I'll just say no because – if I feel like I have to give a definite answer, no is safer than saying yes. Yeah, yeah. But if you say, let me get back to you, you can step back, you can think about it. You didn't, you didn't say no yet to the person, but you can think about it. And then if you do end up deciding you're going to say no, you can say it in a more organized fashion. <laughs> you can be more strategic <laughs> about saying no. And so that's yeah. incredibly obvious, right, this piece of advice. But I bet this is a game changer for a lot of people. You can say yes, you can say no, or you can say let me get back to you. I totally agree because that I'll get back with you is so important because if not, you get caught off guard. It's either yes or no. And if she yes, you kind of half-heartedly committed because you know you're overwhelmed, basically. And if you say no, is the fear like you were saying, like, wait a minute now. Did I come across as being insensitive and so forth? But I like the idea of I'll get back to you because the idea is the fact that I do have a chance to kind of really think about it some more. And if I really can adjust myself, then it's a yes. And if I can't, then I have a wonderful way of saying no, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that was in the chapter called Making Good Habits. And that is a great example of a habit you can just get into where you can just train your brain and you can say, Mm -hmm. okay, from now on, when people ask me something, I'm always going to say, let me get back to you. And you just (laughs) train yourself to do it until it becomes a good habit. And then it really is quite transformative that you have that option and it will just burst out of your mouth without you even having to think about it in the future. And it will save you from a lot of grief. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard. A collection of 101 stories of epiphanies and wise words. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, how about Chapter 6? Think positive. I love the chapter itself, just the way it frames someone's mind. Think positive. And the story in this is really kind of neat. All the World is a Playground by Laurie Davis. Yeah, this is great. And I've actually been using this already and thinking mm-hmm. about what, Laura, what, what she learned, what Laurie learned. So Laurie was um, a little girl who couldn't skip, which is something that little girls do during recess, and she just couldn't get herself to do it. And she basically, in fifth grade, just felt uncoordinated and clumsy, and she didn't want to go out to recess. And so one day she 
was like, sitting in the hallway instead of going out to recess, and this teacher found her there and said, oh, it can be rough out there, can't it? And she nodded and was holding back her tears. And then the teacher said, walk out onto that playground like it's yours. And she opened the door and beckoned for Lori to go through Mm -hmm. the door. So Lori walked out there like she owned the playground. She just forced herself to do that. And before she knew it, she was part of a new game that didn't involve skipping, and she got to be an Amazon Amazon princess in this game. <laughs> and then she was, you know, an Amazon warrior. And anyway, ever since then, she has just repeated that to herself, no matter what the situation, walk out onto that playground like it's yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the story simply because it talks about the positive attitude, like you say, in terms of, hey, create. You are the creator of what you want. The world is your oyster, so to speak. And this is the sort of the foundation because as a young child, if you think, that's how you're going to be thinking, thinking big. And even if you're afraid and you're mm-hmm. really unsure let's say you're walking out onto a stage to deliver a speech or you're walking into a room where you don't know anybody, whatever it is, if you walk in like it's the playground and you own the playground, you'll have confidence in your, in, you know, the way you're holding yourself and it will translate into people treating you as if you are somebody who's confident. And before you know it, you will own the playground. Right. Right. So true. Chapter 7, Follow Your Heart, What I Deserve, by Diana Lynn. Yeah, so she had um, this boyfriend, and he wouldn't show up. Like, she'd go out, and he would, you know, be scheduled to come to wherever they were meeting, and then he wouldn't show up, and he would never commit to anything. And... You know, her friends kept saying to her, you deserve more than this. And finally, she realized that she should stop making excuses for him and she should stop waiting around for this guy. And maybe he was a great guy, but he was a single dad and was busy with his kids and it was just too Mm -hmm. hard for him to come through for her. And finally, she was talking to somebody who said, Really simple words. You deserve a guy who shows up. Mm -hmm. And she could have said to Diana that her boyfriend was a jerk or (laughs) this or that. But instead, she just said, you deserve a guy who shows up. And then that gave Diana such clarity. And she realized, that's what I need. I need a guy who shows up. And so it was not a judgment against the boyfriend or whether he was a good guy or a bad guy or whether he was really trying to show up, but he couldn't show up, and he was just overwhelmed with his kids or whatever. (laughs) She decided she didn't have to decide whether he was a good guy or bad guy. She just had to decide what she needed and what she deserved. And she deserved a guy who showed up, and she decided she wasn't going to settle for anything less than that. That's important. That statement itself, whether it's a guy or a girl or any partnership situation, in the end, it relates to respect for a person. Yeah, you have to respect yourself and say, wait, mm-hmm. I deserve such and such. Right. And everybody deserves 
a romantic partner who shows up <laughs> or a friend who shows up. Right. Yeah. It, the respect goes both ways. Yes. You respect yourself and then you, then you require that the people in your life respect you as well. There you go. Chapter 8, Take Care of Yourself. Within Nautical Inches by Ed Van Demuck. So this was really interesting because we don't always get these, you know, military stories. Right. So Ed talked about um, an experience he had in the Navy where he had a very responsible position, uh, but his ship almost got into an accident because Ed was so exhausted. And his commander instead of, you know, giving him a good dressing down, instead said, when was the last time you slept? This isn't like mm-hmm. you. And Ed said, well, it was about 28 hours ago, sir. And his commander said, well, how long did you sleep? And Ed said, maybe five hours. And then the commander said, well, how long were you up before you got those five hours? And Ed said, 20 or 21 hours. Mm-hmm. And his commander said, well, what's so important that you're not sleeping? And then Ed was explaining all the different things that he had to do. And finally, his commander said, I'm ordering you to hit the rack and sleep (laughs) until you can't sleep any longer. So he said, I can't, sir. I'm on the special sea and anchor detail to bring the ship into port two hours from now. Mm -hmm. And his commander was emphatic. He said, I'm ordering you to go to bed. I'll find someone to replace you. And so I thought that was a great lesson in setting priorities. And I was really glad to see that, you know, his commander actually ordered him to do the right thing. This story is really cool. Like you say, we don't get a lot of stories about military people, the demands that they go through. What's interesting is that the discipline that goes with it as well. So I think this is something that will permeate to, say, the general public in some ways, in a positive way, I hope. Yeah, I agree. Chapter 9, How to Be Happy, Like Daughter, Like Mother, by Courtney Canova. Okay, so Courtney Conover, um, she's actually great. I'm going to be interviewing her on my podcast mm-hmm. um, in a couple of weeks. Um, she is a black woman who used to spend hours trying to make her hair straight. And she's actually written Chicken Soup for the Soul <laughs> stories about that, about her relatives who were really good at straightening her hair and how she mm-hmm. spent hours straightening her hair. And, like, her whole life revolved around straightening her hair. And then Courtney had a daughter, and her daughter had beautiful curly hair. And Courtney was still straightening her hair. And then she thought, <laughs> what kind of message am I, you know, what kind of message am I giving to my daughter when I keep denying who I am? And then she saw a beautiful black woman who had, you know, head of nice curly hair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said to the woman, how do you do it? And the woman said, well, you just do. You embrace your curls. Don't just think about it. Just do it. It's a heck of a lot easier than you think. And so it took a few years, but Courtney finally decided to do that for her little daughter and um, now when I see pictures of her, you know, on social media, there she is mm-hmm. with her beautiful curly hair. And uh, she and I will actually be talking about that on the podcast. And it's so funny because, 
you know, women with curly hair, they try to make it straight, and women with impossibly straight hair like me, we try to make it curly. And we should all just embrace what we have, and we'd have a lot more time in our lives to do other things. That's true. That's really true. Chapter 10, From Failing to Fabulous, Making Change by Grace Jean. Yes, so Grace is an example of somebody hearing the most simple piece of advice and having an epiphany. And so um, she was having a lot of challenges. You know, her life felt like a struggle, and she was always sad. She had an eating disorder. She had depression. Um, She had been through therapy. She had been through rehab, but nothing ever seemed to change for her. And then she had a friend at work, and her friend at work was observing her and listening to her complain about her life. And her friend said, nothing changes if nothing changes. And then she had to process that. And then I understand what she's saying. If I don't change anything, nothing's going to change. I can't just sit here and feel sorry for myself and complain about my life. Nothing's going to change if nothing changes in my life. And so it actually got her out of her inertia and got her to take some personal responsibility and understand that she had to act if she wanted to reach a place of wellness away from her eating disorder and her depression. And so she's really filled with gratitude now for that very simple advice. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You know, like Mm -hmm. stop feeling sorry for yourself and get going and do something about it. So true. I think we all get paralyzed. We get stuck. You know, mind wanders, but then we're in the same spot all the time. So sometimes it's not about thinking. It's about doing. Yeah. After, yeah, because yeah, you just and sometimes it takes like tough love from a friend to get you yeah. mm-hmm. to to snap out of it. <laughs> chapter eleven, positive parenting. I love this chapter, and the first story that I really like in this chapter is Parentology by Hannah Kelly. Yes, so <laughs> so Hannah's son uh, was twelve, and he got into a competitive junior high school. But then he was saying, I don't want to go because I don't want to leave my friends. And then he started crying about it. First he was excited that he got in. Then, he, then you know, the fear overcame him and he didn't want to leave <laughs> his friends. And so he started crying and then he kept saying, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And so then um, what happened was that um, his grandmother called and said to Hannah, tell him he doesn't have to go. And Hannah said, what? I'm not going to tell him he doesn't have to go. Of course he has to go. And her mother said, no, I really mean it. Tell him he doesn't have to go. Trust me. And Hannah was like, I can't do that. And her mother said, do it now. So Hannah thought, all right, I guess my my mother sometimes is right about these things. So she went to her son (laughs) and she said, fine, you don't have to go. Well, he immediately stopped yelling, and then he said, okay, I'll go. And then Hannah went back to the phone and said, uh, that worked. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> and so, I, okay, so I like that story because, you know, I'm a mother of grown children. I will be 
giving them some advice pretty soon about parenting. But I loved the reverse <laughs> psychology. I just loved everything about how easily that worked. It was so counterintuitive. But, of course, reverse psychology often does work. And so I thought, what a great piece of advice to pass on to parents. It is. I think it works for adults as well. <laughs> I was told once that it's funny because when you're chasing after someone, they're always trying to run away. When you stop chasing and walk away, they come after you. Yeah, except if you're a woman, then the man is supposed to chase you. You aren't, you aren't supposed uh, to chase him. You're supposed to make him think he caught you. <laughs> but you're a man, so you like it the other direction. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the second story in this chapter is Invisible Love by Diane Stock. Yeah, Diane is one of our regular writers, and she always shares the best tips and advice with our readers. And she has a lot of kids, so she has a lot of good parenting advice. And so they were playing um, a word game, and her daughter said something to her. I guess there was a clue, um, and it said that something was supposed to be invisible, but the answer was love. And her daughter objected and said, wait, love isn't supposed to be invisible, And then Diane started thinking about it, and she thought that maybe as a very, very busy mother, she was guilty of making her love invisible. I mean, she was really busy cooking and cleaning, and Mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. maybe how she thought she was showing her love. But maybe the kids didn't understand that kind of invisible love. And right. so she gathered the kids around and she said, you guys know that I love you, right? And they looked at her kind of strangely, but then they nodded. Yeah, they knew that. And mm-hmm. so she said, well, you know, Julia reminded me that love should always be visible. And so she said to her kids, give me some suggestions for how I can make love visible instead of invisible. And then her kids gave her a bunch of suggestions. And then she started doing those things with her kids. And I thought... That was really a good idea because it is true that when you are a busy parent, you're so busy just getting through every day that you sometimes don't stop and smell the roses with your kids. And the kinds of things her kids wanted were that she would bake them some brownies or that they would play Monopoly Mm -hmm. or that they would have a water balloon fight. It was that, you know, relax and stop cooking and cleaning kind of advice. And that was how her kids would perceive her love for them. So mm-hmm. that was uh, a great piece of advice also. I love this particular story is because as kids, to them, love is always visible. As you get older, love is invisible because it's the actions that you just know. You are able to relate to it. But as a kid, you don't. And so having a mom sitting down and getting the kids involved in expressing like, tell me how you want me to love you, basically. And that way we're on the same page, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Everybody needs it to be made visible to them in a different way. So you might as well know what they need in order to right. see that love from the parent to the child. Yeah, so true. So, well, Christmas is around the corner, obviously. So what is Chicken Soup's Christmas holiday plan? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm working on Mother's Day right now. <laughs> uh-huh. So- because <laughs> I worked on Christmas in, you know, July. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, 
our holiday plan is to try to get some of those back-ordered books printed. Oh, my goodness. This is just like a cloud hanging over me. You know, this Mm -hmm. fact that we are running out of so many books, like, uh, yeah, I'm hoping we can get more out there because, you know, we're, we must have six or eight different titles now that we're backordered on. <laughs> it's just become, it's a problem, I guess, like a lot of publishers are having yeah. a problem now filling the channels. It's, um, I think there's a paper shortage because so many boxes are being made now. So paper is going to make mm-hmm. cardboard boxes and it's just slowed down all the printing of right. books. Or maybe we're just incredibly popular this year. That would be even better. <laughs> that must be there it. You go. I know we do there have a go. lot of books on the bestseller list right now. I like I know last week we had um three books on the self mm-hmm. on the top ten of the self help bestseller list, so three out of ten, which was really That's good. Huge. Yeah. I know. Is. And you know, when I looked at the top ten, like four of the other books had swear words in their titles. So <laughs> Of the non-swear words, we were like three out of six of the top ten. <laughs> That's a good one. Say, stick with that, okay, y'all? Stick with that. No swearing. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. As we close the show, what recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, so I have a lot of ideas for, you know, like the ingredients for a great mm-hmm. recipe for living and these are all things that come from this new Chicken Soup for the Soul book, the best mm-hmm. advice I ever heard. So I think the first one would be the one we talked about, eat dessert first, which, of course, doesn't mean you have to eat dessert first, but it means <laughs> be spontaneous, do fun things for yourself and with your friends and family, and make sure that you incorporate that fun into every day. And then yeah. I think a second tip would be, to follow that advice from J.C. Sullivan's brother, which is ask yourself, what would you do if you won the lottery? You know, because that really does give you clarity. And then my third ingredient would be, as a corollary to what would you do if you won the lottery, what would you do if you weren't afraid? You know, take fear out of the equation. Like we had a story in the book from a woman who had met this cute guy and then he kind of wanted to see her and then she was afraid. And then she said, wait a minute, if I wasn't afraid, what would I do? And she said, well, I'd see the cute guy. And so she said, all right, I'm going to pretend I'm not afraid. I'm going to go see the guy. Now she's, you know, and she's been with him for two years and everything's going great. And then I guess another thing that I would say is uh, I liked all the, the, advice for marriages, which you could also mm-hmm. apply to mm-hmm. any relationships. But right. We had a great piece of advice, which was this woman was told, just treat your husband like a king and he'll treat you like you're a queen. Mm-hmm. And really that can apply to any relationship. If you treat somebody the way you would like to be treated, then they will feel really special and they'll, then they will kind of move into the same mode and treat you the same way and your relationships get so much stronger And then finally, the last piece of advice is in that line of getting into great habits of doing the right thing. And one piece of of great advice I read in the book was always go to the funeral, which really translates into (laughs) always do that thing that's kind of a pain that you might not really want to do but will be good to do anyway, especially for the other person. And it might not be going to the funeral. It might be 
writing that sympathy note that occurred to you and then you're like, oh, I don't have a stamp, or writing that thank you card or making that difficult phone call. But basically it all it boils down to always be a friend. And it's not just being a friend to your friends, it's also being a friend to your relatives. That's true. That's true. So true. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, November 13. My guest will be Peggy Silfon. She is a professional development coach, author, motivational speaker, and is internationally recognized as an expert on dealing with stress and anxiety. Peggy and I will be having a conversation about how we can live happy and well during the holiday season. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and everyone at Chicken Soup. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye. to be fox news channel in this critical moment with the balance of power at stake this is the midterm election everybody is waiting for only fox news channel brings real insight smart perspective and the all-important results minute by minute every key race every pivotal moment as america decides we're there every step of the way tonight stay with special coverage starting at 6 p.m eastern on fox news channel tonight there's only one place to be, Fox News Channel. In this critical moment, with the balance of power at stake, this is the midterm election everybody is waiting for. Only Fox News Channel brings real insight, smart perspective, and the all-important results minute by minute. Every key race, every pivotal moment, as America decides, we're there every step of the way. Tonight, stay with special coverage starting at 6 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel.